Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Vester from Adlunum, and you are listening to the future of NFTs the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases and dives into what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. All this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers we, we speak to each week. Adlunum is the only Web3 investment platform that rewards attention with allocation. Our Engage to Earn platform features dynamic NFT investor profiles, NFT allocation fractionalization, and our one-of-a-kind proof-of-attention allocation mechanism. Now, my guest today is Daniel Tamas, who is a passionate serial entrepreneur and the co-founder of WAM, an award-winning Web3 game tech company that is changing the way people play games using blockchain technology. And WAM app is a social gaming platform where users can compete in skill-based tournaments on simple and highly engaging hyper-casual games to win digital assets, WAM tokens, and blockchain-backed collectibles. So, very happy to have you here with us today, Daniel. Can you hear me? Hey, Daniel. Yes, yes, I can hear you. How's it going? Good. Just well, listening to the rain at this point, but very happy to be here. Oh, lovely. Whereabouts are you? In the middle of Transylvania. Oh wow! What an appropriate <laughs> scene. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I was I was going to go over there a couple of months ago, but I didn't end up making it. But I I can't wait to go. Um, it's definitely on my list. I visited a um, like a reconstruction castle of, uh, you know, some Transylvanian castle in Budapest a while ago, and it was really like fairy tale esque. I can't wait mm -hmm. to see the, the the actual part of the world. For real. <laughs> well, uh, the place is welcoming, beautiful sceneries, and. Um... Uh, just come and see. Uh, everybody gets surprised uh, in a good way when they do. Absolutely. Well, I'm actually also enjoying the rains. I'm in Goa in India and the monsoon season is just starting. So I'm very <laughs> grateful for a little bit of a reprieve from uh, from the extreme heat. Um, Daniel, so yeah, getting, getting into it, um, I want to start us off really just by cementing for the audience what it exactly is that you guys do. So you describe yourself as a play and earn hyper casual crypto gaming platform. So I know a little bit about the journey that you that you follow you follow uh, you followed uh, that you evolved from a gaming company into a Web three game company. So I would love to know as a company, I mean, since getting started, and obviously the market that we've been in has not been an easy one. How have you evolved as a company in terms of uh, the offerings that you offer your audience? And I mean, in terms of the audience, uh, just to say that WAM already has really quite an, a substantial traction. Um, Daniel, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you have over 2.2 million verified accounts, 3.3 um, million in app transactions, um, and your mission is to reach 100 million users by 2024. Um, so yeah, I would love to get your insights on how you as a company has evolved through this market from the beginning up until where we find ourselves right now. Sure. And uh, the stats uh, are correct. Uh, we evolved pretty organically since uh, we started out as a Web2 company. Uh, we wanted to make a different platform focused on web. 
I'm a believer in web technology and that the web platform and the browser itself is the next iteration beyond apps. So if I could see what what lies beyond the app stores, I definitely put my money on uh, on the browser and especially on gaming content in the browser for several reasons and advantages. So we evolved from a Web2 company, Web2 product, uh, into a Web3 one in uh, 2021. <coughs> we saw the opportunity in the market, and at the same time, we saw the different uh, community uh, communities that existed at the time. So we decided to take a shot, jump right in, and see what happens. We were not... Uh, we did plan, we did have in mind to have a token, to have economy-related stuff, but there was no timeline for it. And it just matched at that point. We kind of caught the end of the last bull run. We launched uh, the token in December 2021. And since then, we've been um, building and experimenting with different models uh, that proved to be quite challenging in a bear market given that a crypto gaming app has everything to do with real value that you can extract as a player from the platform. So this changes the, the natural behavior. But there are quite a few lessons that we learned along the way and I'm happy to share them with you today. Yeah, I find it fascinating that you your perspective is definitely different from most Web3 gaming companies in the sense that you already had an existing gaming company, whereas a lot of founders, I would say the majority of gaming founders um, in Web3, this is their first time working in the gaming sector um, as well as, as launching a startup as well. Um, so there's been so much talk, of course, at the height of it, there's been so much talk about you know, GameFi being the future of Web3. And then, of course, on the other extreme, uh, that there are some large gaming companies that have said that they are not going to get involved with Web3 at all. So as someone who has been in the gaming sector uh, pre-Web3, uh, what are your thoughts on what it's going to take for gaming to fully adopt uh, what Web3 has to offer? How far are we from getting to that point where it becomes more of a mainstream adoption? Um, and what do you think, what are some of the steps needed or my, perhaps the, the, the obstacles uh, that prevent us from getting there? Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do my best. First, uh, a lot of people that jumped into Web3 were marketers that saw the opportunity for a quick buck. Let's say it's what it is. Uh, and this in turn led to a lot of scams being propagated in, in the space because uh, uh, in a hype-driven environment, if you know what other people looking at you want, you can actually tailor your message in a way that you want them the stuff that I'm selling. <coughs> Regarding the perspective, first, in order for Web3 to gain mass adoption, and I honestly truly believe and actually i don't believe when you believe you don't know i know that games will be the mechanism and the, the the car or the spaceship that will take us to mass adoption and there's a reason for that when you're in a gaming mindset where you're in in a gaming environment you tend to be open to the new stuff 
you tend to be curious, you tend to experiment, you don't quite focus on what tech is beyond the pixels on the screen. And this is how it should be, right? When you have a technology in order for it to be massly used, uh, you cannot focus on what the technology is. You can actually, I mean, you have to have users that benefit from using that technology in a very invisible way. So this is uh, uh, this goes towards a simple answer regarding mass adoption. That is user experience. Most people, and even us, even us in this room, probably hate the current UX, but we got used to it. Like signing transactions, topping uh, up your wallet, or buying with your credit card, and a lot of stuff that goes on. Uh, plus uh, the uncertainty with the security of a certain protocol or a certain um, piece of technology or a DAP that just contributes to lack of trust. So coming back, the user experience needs to be awesome. The technology needs to be invisible. Um, and the second would be the right incentives. We've uh, experimented with several types of incentives and um, not all of them were quite appropriate in the sense of, uh, okay, you have a token, you have an NFT, how do you reward your community and how do you make them part of the community using one or the other or both? And um, a community is only a community as long as the general guidelines for it to exist are actually up, upheld by uh, the community members themselves. So that is a community, something that you can... Uh, it's a group of people that believe in the same stuff and actually contribute to the success of that community, whatever they set out to do. So with the right incentives and with the right understanding of uh, how Web3 technology is supposed to work and what this... Uh, decentralization actually means what what benefits can it bring and who are you in this new world what are your uh, wh what are the expectations what are uh, the ecosystem's expectations towards a web3 city to know the technology to understand the the actual contributions that are needed to understand that value must be created must be brought to the table you can also take take out value in certain conditions uh, and so on and so forth. So this is the, these are the two main things that I see will help mass adoption. Uh, regarding games, by a show of hands of hearts or, or whatever emoji do you plan to use, please use it to signal if the first thing you, you used as a uh, digital uh, uh, user were games, like when you touched your first device, were there games uh, involved or not? Just show of hands of hearts or... Uh, I, I even, uh, I believe you if, if you even send me one Bitcoin, so whatever you choose. So regardless, so you can... Um, just imagine that the first time you touched a device, be it a computer, be it a cell phone or a smartphone, or a, if you're guys old enough, 
uh, if you had like Tetris or uh, whatever console, it was always games. Because it's a medium that allows you to learn fast, to have fun, to eliminate complexity, to focus on a simple task that uh, brings you joy at the end of the day and an actual sense of improvement of one's skills. So games plus amazing user experience and um, community will get to that mass adoption. Yeah, I mean, I 100% I agree with you in the sense that um, at the moment what has been happening, or thus far at least what has been happening in, in the Web3 industry is that things are useful because they're Web3 or they're sexy because they're Web3. But the, the, the crutch of whatever someone is doing is usually around the fact that it's Web3, whereas in reality, if we are going to move along to adoption, we have to get to the point where, as you say, the technology is almost invisible but it's the function that it performs that outperforms alternatives. Um, I have a question related to you saying that community, of course, is such a huge uh, part of this, a part of the adoption experience, as well as gaming. So uh, WAM focuses on giving casual ga gamers the opportunity to win at something. Um, Whereas usually it's only professional esports players uh, that compete in gaming titles, which obviously there's, I mean, the, the, the statistics, of course, we all know there are an incredible amount of gamers in the world. And while many people would love to compete, uh, you know, at least in a rewards-based system, um, it, that, that pool of professional sports players, esports players, is very small. So can you run me through your thinking in terms of how this idea came about and why you believe that the way that WAM has structured things is so important as we enter a new era of gaming. Okay. First of all, we're still experimenting. So the way we structure things today might change tomorrow because we still need to figure out a lot of stuff. It's an ongoing building process. Um, we came up with the idea, especially deriving it from the professional esports players, in the sense that, okay, these guys play Counter-Strike or uh, Dota or whatever they play, but what are the guys that play for fun with their friends on a Saturday night? And what about the people that play on their mobile phones? So the concept was actually hyper-casual esports. And uh, in, in this context, we added the tournaments on top to allow people to compete. Now, there's an observation. Not everybody wants to compete. It's just human nature. Some people just want to do it for fun. Some people just want to uh, uh, explore a bit. And some other people will take your head off in a competition, regardless if it's, uh, uh, I don't know, lighting a house, playing on Wham, or eating... Uh, boiled eggs it's just their nature so i do see two users two user personas uh with different objectives but at the same time with the, with the with the ability of being community members in a gaming environment and at the end of the day wham the vision for wham is to become a platform where you can find your own type of entertainment where stuff is enabled by the blockchain, secured by blockchain, and you can go in and out without um, having to look over your shoulder. Is this legit? Is this a scam? Is this, uh, um, am I, are, 
Are my funds protected? Is my wallet safe? And so on and so forth. Plus, um, in terms of publishing, we no longer have to worry about Apple and Google because in terms of content, uh, a self-organizing community can actually curate the content itself. Similar to what the green light on Steam is. Similar. Oh, that is, uh, I think, a very level-headed approach um, because we, we stand on the precipice of so many new things, but at the same time, this time is so crucial in terms of how this is evolving, um, especially now with the advent of technologies like AI, um, which, again, stands to uh, evolve, well, disrupt and evolve um, the, the gaming industry. Um, I know that you have some AI-powered features uh, that you've included. Um, can you run us through how that works and um, what the response has been so far, if any? So we're we're experimenting with AI like everybody else. This year has seen a boom in uh, AI-driven startups and everybody's looking for the next uh, pot of gold. Uh, for the gaming industry, the AI brings something unparalleled in terms of creativity and creation you you can actually have in-game assets you can have sounds you can have uh entire game scripts written by ai and you can have um custom gameplay for instance a game adapts to your gaming style and increases the difficulty just a bit every time so you can still be engaged and uh, enjoy the uh, the progress that you've been making on the skills that you've been training um we have three pillars that we see important and want to move towards one is ai assisted game generation basically you create your games with the help of your phone and then just have fun on tournaments or on single player mode with other people and friends um, and this is possible especially for simple games that have like a an endless uh, type of gameplay where you can just progress from level to level and the difficulty can increase uh, coming towards the customization of the gaming experience this is also important because we have a lot of, um, today, a lot of inefficiencies in designing the right type of um, game loops and game structures to capture a certain type of audience. But what if, <coughs> sorry, what if um, you start a game, it's simple enough, and there's an AI behind the scenes that understands how you play, understands your pace, and starts um, adapting the gameplay to what you find most, most engaging, right? So this would be a very new experience. Plus, in terms of generating content, you, you can have endless worlds, endless maps, 2D, 3D, um, literally anything that you want, including sounds. Sounds are like half of the game. And uh, this can also be generated. So... It all comes down to the creativity of the person trying to create something. And the AI is the tool that will help you get there very fast. And the other pillar, the third pillar, would be the security part. A lot of the client-side games, the games that you play on your phone, don't have a backend for secure score transmission and for uh, a lot of the data that has to be secured. So then the question arises, how do you secure something that runs on the client, but you have to actually pinpoint cheaters and hackers and scammers and so on. This is where uh, machine learning comes in and can learn patterns really, really fast, can flag accounts that 
are let's say uh, I'm missing the word um, breaking the rules and all of a sudden it can be a self almost a self-governing ecosystem where you have these uh, tools that are plugged into the back end or, or sorry uh, plugged into the app the app communicates with these tools uh, but at the same time this can be saved to the blockchain transparently we come to inefficiencies when it comes to saving uh, a lot of the data on the blockchain. So not everything will be possible, at least in the near future, or even efficient, not possible, efficient, to be saved on the blockchain. But uh, I've just seen yesterday the recent progress Polygon has made with a Polygon 2. Uh, and a lot of smarter people than us are working very hard on improving the technology and ensuring that it has enough, enough scalability to reach that coveted much coveted um, adoption, worldwide adoption. Oh, very, very good point. I want to switch a little bit to NFTs. Um, I know that you have the offensive vampires NFT collection. Um, what makes those NFTs unique and why, why are they part of the ecosystem? Uh, what is their role and, and what is the value that they offer? <coughs> <clears throat> first we've been in the bear market for the past <clears throat> year and a half it's the first time we go through it and it's like uh, birthing a baby through your belly button so it, it, it takes a bit of push and uh, we kept seeing a lot of rug pulls we kept seeing a lot of naysayers that oh crypto sucks nft suck uh what's the price sir what's the floor price and so on so we had the vampires um concept for about a year and um we just couldn't do all of them at once like everything that we had to execute but this year we kind of said well uh, fuck this if the market sucks let's make something that sucks from the get-go you know it will suck the moment you see it because it's written on the freaking screen. And um, then we went against the, uh, let's say, the current trend of not offending people. I see no reason why not to do it, uh, but in a way that is not offensive, if that makes sense. So we said, okay, let's play a bit with the words, given we're from Transylvania, Dracula was around these parts, and we have the Wham brand that very um, easily rolls down the tongue when you say vampires. We said, okay, let's make offensive vampires collectibles that suck. And this is where we played with the words like literal suck because they're vampires, but at the same time related to crypto stuff, you have double suck, which is awesome, and uh, that was the story behind the concept. In terms of the, of the utility, we we struggled to keep them as few as possible. There are a few utilities. We couldn't make them suck, fully suck. So we said, okay, well, some stuff needs to be there. Um, like getting royalties if you scream your lungs out at the reveal uh, moment and uh, creating that sound for three seconds, that is that is your creation and that's something that uh, you will get royalties on. Just scream at the freaking computer. You, you've done it. We've all done it. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, actually being worth it this time. 
the other one would be access to tournaments on WAM, uh, the ability to stake the NFTs, and um, to participate in uh, a DAO, which we call Dracula's Autonomous Organization. Um, yeah, we, we tend to, or at least want to keep things as fun as possible, low expectation, like very low expectation, um, for the simple fact that uh, coming from the game space, the most traction, the, the most traction games had was when you just didn't give a shit. Like, we're going to make something fun. And it has to be fun for us. It has to be fun for the people that believe in this type of fun. Um, it, we live in a world where uh, everything becomes very sterile in terms of communication, in terms of um, how we address each other. And we forget uh, that humans actually thrive in a bit of controversy, thrive in a bit of honesty, thrive in a bit of um, quirky fun. And this is what we want to do with these uh, NFTs. Uh, well, uh, we're going to call them collectibles uh, for the simple fact that uh, a lot of people are afraid of the technology. It's like I'm afraid of the electrical current, but still we're not going to go against the grain. Brilliant. Absolutely love the branding. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun, and I, and I 100% agree with you. Um, this industry is a place where people definitely get to express their creativity and the inner child a little bit more than in other industries. And it's always something I'm so grateful for. Um, but at the same time, it really speaks to users at a level that other industries don't speak to them, where everything is so sterile and formal. Um, so I have a question around the idea of an audience and a community, because you have a very... Uh, ambitious goal of having 100 million users, uh, which of course is kind of completely reachable, but at the same time, it's so much about you having users get on board with what it is that you are offering. Um, so what are your thoughts around growing a community, especially in Web3, where there's both unique opportunities as well as unique challenges, uh, or perhaps your approach is really not Web3 focused at all, but onboarding, you know, just normal uh, gamers that, that perhaps they can first experience with Web3. Um, how do you how do you approach this? Whew. tough question. Uh, well, our approach regarding the users in the app um, was definitely Web2, social media, viral content creation. There you go. I spilled the beans. Um, I could say we're pretty good at it. In terms of building a community, again, uh, this is, I'm no better than any other uh, person trying to build something that they think is meaningful and rewarding at the same time. It's all about finding the right people, which is hard, that believe in the same stuff you do and actually want to be there. We've noticed that forcing um, user in a certain type of pattern just because we want to be, I don't know, have a big community or have to uh, want to have a certain type of engagement does, does not work. And um, given it's a hype-driven business and we have a token, um, you can easily spot why this is difficult because it's not about the project, it's about the price, which is stupid. So communities uh, are a group of people that just vibe the same way. We're stupid the same way. We laugh at the same things. We appreciate the same things. 
Um, so this is how I see a community being built. And only then fun stuff can come out of that. Of course, we're all humans. Just discussing one by one can be difficult uh, at times, uh, yet alone uh, 5,000 people or 50,000 people uh, getting to a point where they agree with stuff and decide on things and vote on uh, proposals and whatnot. So as we talk about you know, the concept of mainstream adoption, which obviously is uh, not something that we are going to see on the horizon too soon, but it's certainly moving in that direction. Um, at WAM, how do you maintain a simple and a user-friendly platform for newcomers, especially in the light of so many of your users being people from the Web2 space? Um, do you make an effort to, quote-unquote, hide the technology, as we were discussing earlier, or do you see it as kind of a calling or a responsibility to onboard people into Web3 um, at the same time? As I mentioned, we cannot force people to do stuff, especially when they're new. So the efforts that we make uh, even contain some prayers and uh, locking the technology in a closet and throwing away the key. But it's not as easy as it sounds. So it's um, uh, one of the challenges that... Uh, we notice is building for a large group of people is way more challenging than it looks from the outside, like way with a lot of A in the way. And um, what's the usual process? Trial and error, A-B testing, um, figuring out what works and what doesn't. It's a painful process. So I'm, I'm uh, usually with my IV walking around and looking at stats because the, the calcium drops really quickly. Um, I'm, I'm joking at this point. Um, <coughs> but being on a more serious note, is removing as much as possible the technology that impedes the primary goal of the user when in a certain environment. I made, I, I just said a sentence very complicated. So basically is, uh, just make it simple enough so stupid people understand. Where I'm saying stupid, I'm, I'm saying tech stupid, which we all are at a point. If I'm going uh, on a banking app, I'm, I'm very stupid. Or if I open up a, an insurance app or something that is, has not, I've not been familiar with, I'm going to be stupid at that point. And um, it's the job of the app owner or the business to figure out how they can make it unstupid. And it's hard. It's, it, it, it's a hard thing to do because we're all individuals. We all, all have our likes and dislikes, our, our way of uh, behaving in a digital environment. We say if uh, there's this specific... Um, let's say, not quote, but there's a line saying, okay, it's one thing to ask your users what they want, and it's another thing to actually observe what they do. And the better one is to observe what they do. Because if uh, everybody has a very personal bias towards, oh, no, 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 I'm not clicking on that button, or uh, yeah, I know how to do this, or yeah, I know how to paste the wallet address, and you, you, you just wake up and see email addresses punched in, and you just start, your head starts spinning. 
in terms of uh, audience or user distribution, um, do you see any particular trends in terms of a certain age group uh, where they are more inclined uh, to play? Well, either it's these type of games or whether it's just the medium through which you're doing it, the innovation through which you're doing it. And is there a trend that you are seeing in terms of your own audience? Well, historically speaking, trends are given by young people in any industry. Of course, if you're building um, uh, freighters or big oil tankers, uh, you don't want them to be built by 17-year-olds. But uh, when it comes to digital products and the trends in the market, usually young people set the trends. I'm old. I'm 37 this year. Uh, I may need a license to actually speak about Web3. Because young people say, okay, you're almost in a coffin right now. Well, with the NFT collection, I might be. Um, but the trends are given by the young people just because of their curiosity, the available time they have on their hands, and the needs of the age. Right, So when you're a certain age, you have certain needs and you want to have fun with your friends, you want to be in a group, you want to be accepted, you want to be <coughs> sorry, good at something, uh, you want to stand out. So all these are basic needs that you as an individual want. This means you're going to go towards a place that allows you to get these things. We live in a very digital world and a, an increasingly more digital world. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and we've all heard metaverse. We've all heard AR. We've seen um, uh, Apple's new orthopedic glasses. Uh, everybody's pushing towards a certain future where we're even more digitally connected. Who will be there? Well, young people. And why they'll be there? For the reasons that I just mentioned. So this means the trends will be given by young people depending on the needs that they have. So what is the problem that young people have today? I have no idea. I have my own, each with its own. We'll, we'll try to figure it out as we go. But this is my take on uh, how do we spot trends. And um, I think there was one more question, right? Please remind me. No, no, I think you've, I think you've covered it. I'm... Um... What I wanted to ask is in terms of NFTs, so obviously you are utilizing NFTs on your platform um, and there's much to be said for the potential that NFTs have within the gaming experience in general. And by virtue of what you said about the youth or young people setting the trends, can you, can you spot any particular trends um, with it, specific to NFTs that is busy shifting right now? Because uh, obviously we've, with NFTs, there's been a huge evolution in terms of utility. Um, so in terms of the gaming sector, what are you guys doing uh, in terms of NFTs to leverage it in the best possible way You know, sp uh, that speaks to your audience? Um, and what do you see overall in the gaming sector? As what, what can we expect in future from NFTs and gaming, essentially? NFTs are the utility for tokens. This is my number one take. So you have these two amazing, amazing technologies. And uh, I want you just to close your eyes and picture Counter-Strike. You have the weapon and you have the bullets. You need the weapon in order to shoot and you need the bullets in order to shoot with something. The weapon is the NFT. The bullets are the tokens. So you need both of them. Uh, this is um, the visual aspect of it. In terms of games, having the ability to 
own the investments that you make because this is what it is actually about. When you spend $1,000 in a game or $30,000 in a game, today, it's not much you can do with that. You just put in money and hope your wife does not find out if you're married or some other wife, right? And uh, with the progression of NFTs, you and and the blockchain itself you already you all of a sudden have this ability to see and to own stuff in different ecosystems why do you want to own them i have no idea there's collectible stuff there's utility stuff there's um, uh, the entire gaming ecosystem will evolve into a more advanced type of game fi where things have value this means the entire logic and the entire system of the games that you play will change from what they are today but not in the form they existed about a year and a half ago why because strictly focus focusing on value extraction and uh, just on the value of something not necessarily on the entertainment that something gives to you and brings to the table is a failed uh, attempt and we've seen that Games need to be fun, need to be engaging, need to be with other people. A lot of, uh, according to stats, <coughs> I think Newsual has new stats for last year. People are increasingly more and more um, uh, open to social games. You just want to play with other people. I don't know, maybe you want to crack someone someone's head open. You cannot do it in real life because prison, but you can do it in a game. And you can respawn and that's life. So it's a way of, of manifesting. And in a, in a world that is increasingly more um, censorship oriented, games are actually a safe haven where you can uh, be yourself. Now think about the identity you have in games. That's also an NFT. Think about um, how you transfer assets from one player to the other without the need of a central server. Uh, how do you pay? How you literally pay, right? Uh, if you're, for instance, in Indonesia and uh, uh, another person is in Brazil and another person is in Saudi Arabia, Iran, whatever, and you all want to play on WAM, but the different payment systems that exist in those countries make it very, very hard for us to integrate the payments. Whereas where you have the blockchain, <coughs> You can either accept tokens, you can either accept NFTs, and uh, it's a very simple click-click, and the UX will just improve continuously. So, touching on this point about different players in different regions of the world, um, how do you think that these new technologies will help democratize access and opportunities? Whether this is working in the gaming industry or whether it's benefiting from you know, engaging with the, with the gaming industry. But do you think that these technologies lend themselves uh, towards more of a democratization of access? Absolutely. I have no doubt about that. Imagine this. You're in um, Eastern Europe. And let's say it's 1990, right? So you're in the post-communist Romania in the 1990s. I'm not going to give other countries as an example because it's not like we're that far away. 
and you don't have um, roads, you don't have uh, a functional banking system, let's say it's 95, 96. But all of a sudden you have great internet access because the country did not have internet access before. And the companies that came in and provide this service use the latest technology. In a few years' time, um, a lot of Romania already had internet access that was better than 95% of the world. And this, in turn, gave birth to a lot of companies that use the internet to communicate, exchange value, create stuff. And uh, <coughs> the progress has been, <coughs> let's say, exponential. Now, let's jump to Africa in today's time. Let's jump to Brazil, let's jump to Indonesia, let's jump to the Philippines. Different in- infrastructures, different governments, different laws, different you name it. But you're just a kid, I don't know, like 15 years of age in high school and your passion is about creating fun stuff or having fun with games. And you also see a potential way of supporting your family or yourself. But today, if you don't have internet access or if you don't have the right type of cash to integrate with payments, to um, create the marketing in order for your app or game to be seen in the apps or Google Play, you will not have the right chance, even if you've built something amazing, because it's just an attention economy, The most likely the company with the biggest budget will win and your amazing creation will get to be in the trash. This was the idea behind Wham's... Uh, vision of a platform where you can publish and we can make the discovery in a way that's uh, different and gives everybody access. And with the blockchain tech, you, you have instant access to user funds. So you have instant access to your community's uh, support. And all of a sudden, things move really, really fast. You can do stuff. You can uh, create more. You can just focus on the things that you love to do. Um, <clears throat> I do see a future where the current way business is done through companies uh, will change. It's just a natural thing. The blockchain enables us to no longer need certain structures that were especially put in place to control capital. Yeah, absolutely. So well said. Um, at Adlunem, we also focus on the democratization of access to uh, to, to finances um, in terms of investments, especially. It's something that really opens the world, uh, and so much of the world are not, don't have access to this. Uh, so I'm very happy to be part of an industry that really addresses this issue. Um, I want to focus on, because I know that you've had some uh, amazing successes, speaking of the App Store. Um, so... In terms of engaging with you as a platform, um, what does it look like if I'm a user and also if I'm a creator that wants to work with you? So at this point, as a creator, you don't have direct access to publishing games. Um, Building a platform uh, is a lot harder than uh, I, let's say, envision it to be, given the complexity added by the blockchain tech complexity with uh, liquidity with uh, community with the logic behind it so it's it's a complex thing and um, we're we've been exploring a lot of options and uh, uh, models if you want to play there are tournaments that you can enter 
free ones, paid ones, and just compete your way up into the leaderboard and you will win something. We've held the community tournaments with other projects where we also uh, awarded NFTs and that was a proof of point that NFTs are actually more engaging than tokens. Tokens are not regarded necessarily like something that I want to keep, but if you have a squishy image of a sucky vampire, maybe you want to keep it. Maybe you want to grow your player profile. Maybe you want to upgrade it and uh, uh, just be cool. This is human nature. We love fun stuff. You can uh, see that there are several people in the room from the team with the same face. Uh, we have the same the collection um, image or the representative image and um, we thought about the same thing you want stuff that you want only you can own it it is verifiable that only you own it and thus you can create and build your player profile you can uh, show off your earnings you can take them with you when you log out this is one of the things that we want to achieve so there are a lot of things that we want to do. We will see how many of them we get to do. This is also a very uh, honest uh, assessment because we are in a bear market that is probably, if you've been under a rock, you did not know. But even now, rocks are expensive. So somebody paid for that rock, so you know that something's wrong with money. And um, there's a bear market in the stocks. There's a bear market in crypto. There's a bear market in the bear woods. So everybody's a bear right now. And that takes a toll. It takes a toll in the sense that uh, even users that were uh, more inclined to spend money on entertainment right now are uh, a bit more focused on savings, on uh, adjusting their expenses, and properly handling the situation. I want to remind the audience uh, that you can send in any questions you have uh, to the Adlunum Twitter handle uh, at Adlunum INC. Uh, and in a few minutes, I will get through as many of those as I can. Um, Daniel, yeah, definitely it is a challenging market for, for any startup in any industry, uh, especially in our industry in Web3 and, of course, also in gaming because it's entertainment. Um, what advice would you have for a gaming company or, you know, someone really, whether they come from a Web2 background or whether it's their first four into gaming uh, in Web3, what advice would you have for someone starting now during this market? Huh. Uh, I'm uh, very reluctant in giving advice because it's very easy to get lost in your own bias, which I tend to do. But... Um, Start as small as you can and uh, get to product market fit be before thinking of anything else. If you want to build something successful. And something successful takes time and, uh, let's say, silence. Like literal silence. Because you need to understand the, the dynamics of what you're trying to build. And if you have a lot of noise, trying to do a lot of things without having this initial incubation, if you will, a personal incubation of stuff, it will be very difficult to get to where you want to go if this is your first rodeo. Of course, if you're experienced enough, my advice means shit and you know already what to do. 
uh, or at least you know a lot more what to do than a young person starting out. But if you're not even young, if you just want to start out on on doing stuff, the worst thing you can do is uh, it, it depends. By the way, it depends on on what type of person you are if you're building if you like to tinker with stuff i would go the quiet route at first if uh, you're more on the marketing side on on the sales side you can partner up with tech persons and uh, then figure out what you want to build set up uh, a, a framework that allows you to go towards that direction but still go as slow as you can until you get to that product market fit otherwise um, why I'm saying this, most likely people want to get investments and investors have no fucking clue about what you're building and they don't care. Very few of them are in your niche. They don't care. And uh, this is going to be painful. Uh, they care about money. And if they care about money and they want to give you money, they will ask you when I see my money back, depending on the stage that you are in. So in order for you to do that, you need to have some stats. And these stats are obtained by focusing first on product market fit. You can get your, your first users through many channels. Social media is very accessible. Creating on social media is uh, free, but you need a, a strategy and just go for it. Other than this, I'm probably more stupid than smart. I think that's some real solid advice. Um, Daniel, my final question um, Obviously, every time that we have uh, a bear market, uh, once things start picking back up, um, there's a shift in how things play out. Um, the user persona, per se, um, has, has shifted. So what changes do you think we might see in, in the gaming space um, post this you know, global recession that we, that we are currently um, really just in the starting point of? Um, do you think that it's going to change how people want to express themselves in games? Of course, you said earlier with the advancement of AI and the possibility of really creating your own game experience um, that, that does seem to be tailor-made to whatever needs that, that gamers might have. But what are your thoughts on some of the... Uh, I know you said you don't make predictions. So uh, um, what is, your, what is your, your sense of how things might shift uh, in terms of what gamers are today and how they might be as they come out of this difficult time that we are currently in as a global economy? Thank you for the question. And it's good that you mentioned that it's a user persona. I see two people in the crypto market today. You have crypto bros and uh, gamers. Crypto bros are related to trading and uh, making quick profits and speculating on assets that you can do whatever you want with them. Gamers, on the other hand, don't care about the speculative aspect as much. Of course, they, there might be gamers that indulge in the process now for a gamer today there's no bear market you see a lot of games that today have a lot of users and users play what does that <laughs> what insight can i draw from that well the insight is people don't care about market conditions or the technology they just use the games for their own fun so where is the the trend or where, what will happen well if platforms like Wham succeed in their plan in just providing a new providing benefits with the help of a new technology in a way that people do not sense that they're using a new technology they will wake up oh 
shit, I'm a blockchain user without knowing it. Oh, wait, I have a wallet. Oh, wait, I w- own something. So this is actually the biggest difference that I see in the market uh, between these two user personas. So bear market, regardless, player is going to play. And um, if the technology evolves enough or in uh, enough content, all of a sudden they will have benefits that they were not expecting. I'm mindful of time, so I want to go over to the questions. Um, let me see here. From Samuisa. Samuisa, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Um, what is the gameplay mechanics on WAM? Or how, how do players join tournaments? And how is the reward pool structured? Well, it's pretty simple. You have uh, the app where you can browse multiple tournaments. Um, given that the tournaments are made on different games, it's a different uh, experience for each game. Uh, 80% of the pool gets distributed to the top X percent of users, depending on the, let's say, difficulty of the tournament that you're in. We start at bronze, silver, gold, and uh, diamond. And... Um, by the way, this, th- there's no guarantee that this will remain based on the observations that we made. Because we're still um, looking to see what is the best way. What do the, most of the people want? And this is how I see better adoption. And then I have another question. Uh, how... How will you market a new NFT collection in the games? I'm not sure if this refers to WAM specifically or in general. Um, yeah, answer it however you wish. Well, uh, I do have a hunch it's about uh, offensive vampires. Uh, we have already have like a 1,300 people in, in a new Telegram group. And um, we've been in touch with several big players in the market to start a partnership because they love the concept and the collection and the graphic itself. And uh, besides this, going into spaces, um, for me, it, it is a bit weird to have a, uh, the, the first NFT-related space that where people don't yell at each other. So this is one thing that is new to me. Um, I'm, uh, this is why I'm, uh, I'm saying I'm old, because when I go into a room with kids that kids, young people that yell at each other because it's fun, uh, I get cringy. But then I, again, I do it because it, uh, even though they're smart, sorry, even though they're young, they're smart. So it's a type of fun that I used to have when I was younger. I still do. Um, but coming on a serious note this is how we grow and it will take a bit of time people are a bit cringy in general about nfts so uh, the angle that we're, we have with a uh, offensive vampires collectibles that suck just say it three times in your hand like collectibles that suck what sucks collectibles so this is fun it sucks uh, you start to get the hang of it and uh, whenever you have a bad morning you know that somebody else sucks with you and that's an nft um yeah so we just want to have a community of people that 
the moment, the instant they see the concept, they vibe with it like directly. But the, I don't have to sell it. We, we don't want to sell it. We just want to create something that people love. And um, by the way, let me blow your minds a bit. So the, this is the original collection, like Offensive Vampires Collectibles that suck. And down the roadmap, we have two more collections. Hold, hold your horse, horses. So each vampire needs a side chick. So we're going to make hot flaming chicks, like actual hot flaming chicks, right? Like physically on fire. And this couple needs a pet. And we're going to call that collection Tiny Huge Cocks, which is an actual rooster with, with a big head. And um, it's just about having fun. Like, uh, if your mind goes, what the fuck did this guy just say? Then we're on the right track. Because this is the type of, uh, uh, let's say, emotion that we want to appeal to. And to just break out of the mundane, like everything is sterile, everything is politically correct. Uh, we're not going to say some stuff. Uh, well, th this is what we're going to do. <coughs> Daniel, awesome. It sounds like there's a lot of fun coming up. Um, before we, we close for today, Daniel, thank you so much for spending the time with us and all of the fascinating insights that you had. I think that uh, the audience will definitely get a lot from, uh, from your take on things. Um, where can people stay updated with you personally and also with WAM? Thank you very much for having me in the first place. And thank you, everybody, for participating in a, uh, in a space related to what we do. You can just tap on my uh, squared or polygon type avatar and uh, see what we do. We are on Telegram, WAMAP and Vampires Club. We are active in the communities. People are killing each other digitally in our tournaments and uh, just have fun every day. Hopefully they're fun. Otherwise, um, it's going to be difficult to go shopping. And uh, you can stay in touch with us through the channels that I just mentioned. Twitter is the most, uh, let's say, convenient, given that we're doing this on Twitter. And if you're interested in about, uh, about the collection, just go to vampires.club and see what this is about. Awesome. On that note, we have come to the end of today's show. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's been great talking about gaming again. It's been a while. Um, and it's always yeah. awesome to just get different people's perspectives and takes because the space is evolving so quickly that uh, you know even a conversation from a few months ago um, is no longer as relevant just based on how quickly things are moving. Um, so to the audience, thank you so much for joining in, whether you're doing it live on Twitter Spaces or on Spotify. And I will catch you again next week for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers. Daniel, Cheers. thank you so much. Looking forward thank to following what you guys are doing. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.